Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Welcome to episode 98 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley. David Cameron Walker's just finished his tea. I have indeed, yeah. Lovely burrito. Nice. Now ready to go. And uh, also here, making his season's debut in the studio, is Adam Williams. Hello. Hello. Yeah, first time we've seen you in a while. So, uh, Dave, you don't know this, but just before you arrived here, me and Adam went to uh, O'Neill's around the corner, just had a a bit of food and a a catch-up. And uh, And there I am. finest establishments for you, indeed. (laughs) There I am on my... uh, on my laptop doing doing the prep for the show close it to open uh, sorry to start eating my meal and then Adam what happens next I went to put some sauce on my meal uh, and as I went to put the sauce Ketchup. back in the container I uh, took out my pint of lager at the same time and spilt it over your laptop oh, over no. my laptop over your laptop a full which, pint which yes virtually a full pint this MacBook has survived a full pint of Heineken being spilt on it there you go. but there was a good 10 minutes there where Adam was a very worried man he even paid for my food that's yeah. how worried he was. I, I very quickly rushed to not make a scene in the restaurant as two or three other nearby tables turned and realised what I did to race for as much so, dry tissue as I could. To if you can't up. hear this right now, it's because this has died on me while I'm editing this show. But okay. if you can hear this, we're all good. Now, before we start, we're going to tell you about a special offer which you need to get involved in right now because thanks to our friends at Audible, We Are Going Up can now offer you a free one-month trial and a free audiobook uh, for you to walk away with right now. It's a special offer that is only available if you listen to us and you go to this URL, audible.co.uk slash going up. So basically, go there. Fill in all your details, you get a free one-month trial, and you can choose from any of 60,000 audiobooks to listen to. And they've got some really good stuff on there. We're just having a little listen to Neil Warnock, weren't we? Off yes. the air, yeah. doing his uh, that tri- a treat. Trials and Tribulations of a Football Manager. So that's one of the uh, the books you can download for free. You sign up. Also, iPartridge, the brilliant Alan Partridge uh, book, which came out with some Bobby Robson stuff on there. There's Gaz, there's loads of good football stuff. So uh, get on it. You don't just have to get a football book. Of course you don't, no. You know, you can ingratiate yourself in some in some culture. Exactly. Just on, just on the, on the website now, uh, you know, the best sellers in all categories. You've got... Uh, Bill Bryson, One Summer in, Summer in America, 1927, is currently the bestseller. Why, why not get Yeah, so that? if you've got a lot of travelling to do to work during the week and this only fills about 50 minutes of it, then get an audiobook free. Andrew thanks Marvel, to Audible. History of the World. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Audible.co.uk slash going up is where you need to go. History of the World. I mean, that must be long. That's it. Well, exactly. A history of the world. It'll fill a month. All fill of the history in the world, as told by Andrew Marr. <laughs> so get to that, audible.co.uk slash going up. Right, later in the show, we're going to speak to Mr. Adam Lord, reporter at the Lancashire and Morecambe newspaper, The Visitor, because of that stunning comeback by the Shrimps on Saturday, beating Chesterfield 4-3 after being 3-0 down. Seven league games unbeaten, they're up to six. Jim Bentley's side going well, so we'll speak to Adam later. We'll also round up what's been going on this week in the Football League, and we've got my club up first. First, we are going to start in the championship 
Championship at the top of the Championship. Two more wins since we last did this show last week. For Burnley, they are absolutely flying under Sean Dyche. Top of the Football League as things stand at the moment. Let's speak to Chris Bowden, who's on the line right now. Chris, the chief football writer at the Burnley Express. We had him on the show uh, around the time Dyche uh, came into uh, the Burnley job just about a year ago. So uh, Chris on the phone right now. Chris, thanks very much for speaking to us. Um, How surprised have you been by this start then? 26 points from 11 games, eight wins, two draws and only the one defeat. Yeah, I think think if you ask... Burnley fans, I think even they'd say that they're surprised by it. You know, the players to an extent, but I think they'd always believed they were capable of uh, of doing well. But uh, yeah, it all sort of stems back to to the work they put in in pre-season. You can see from the first game uh, in pre-season, even though they lost uh, 1-0 at Morecambe, that uh, sort of style of play had become more defined over the summer. You know, over the uh, once they got back into the uh, to go up in the training ground and. Uh, just a real, uh, a real patience to their passing, and uh, in terms of the hard work, the way the way they sort of closed down, and uh, it's real distinct change in style, and uh, they've, they've taken that on massively from uh, from there. Uh, Chris, it seems to me that you know when we're sitting here, what eleven games in, everybody's surprised at the start that Burnley have made, certainly those outside of Burnley anyway, and they weren't one of the teams that were predicted to do well this season. And I think sometimes this this perhaps exposes the folly of people who predict things pre-season because we don't take into account say, like us, yeah, like us exactly. We don't always take into account the ability of of, of managers like Sean Dyche and, and maybe strikers like like Danny Ings and Sam Folks to to improve. Just because they had a, a mediocre season last season, they were in the mid table, doesn't mean that they can't go and be better this season. It looks like you know all areas of the team have stepped up a bit from last season. You know, manager and players. Yeah, we're just speaking about this with my colleagues at work today, and we're just sort of saying that we. we I think we looked at the sort of you know the, the betting uh, at the start of the season. I think Burnley was sort of like priced below you know, teams like Sheffield Wednesday and Charlton and Bournemouth to, to go down. And I, with all due respect to those sides, I, you know, I backed Burnley to finish above them at the time. Obviously, you know, with the start they've had a, even more so. But uh, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, teams are often more than the sum of their parts. I think you know you don't take into account the sort of. Uh, you know the organisation, the balance of sides, the uh, the desire of sides, the spirit, the togetherness. You know what the, sort of what what the managers uh, managed to engender, and uh, I think a lot of people thought we were daft when we, we sort of pointed out that when Charlie Austin was sold right on the eve of the season, that if you actually look back, as strange as it was, even though he, you know he scored a handful of goals, that Burnley's form was actually better. In the times when he was injured over the past two seasons, you know, incredibly, it's a, it was a strange sort of uh, quirk quirk in the starts. You know, Burnley went on a run in January, in particular, he was out with a hamstring injury, and uh, with Volks and Ings, sort of, you know, got the seventh in the table at the time, which was the highest the uh, they were all season. Um, Chris Ings and Volks obviously growing a lot of the headlines <laughs> at the moment and um, doing the business up front. What have you made? Um, particularly of Danny Ings and the fact that this week he's been called into the under-21 squad for England. Yeah, absolutely delighted for him first and foremost because he's a, he's, a, he's a cracking kid, you know, a real genuine nice guy. You know, I'm sure there's a lot around in football, but uh, he's uh, he is one of the good guys. But uh, I think we've been waiting for a couple of years for him to explode. Eddie Howe played, uh, you know, quite a handsome figure for him. Obviously knew him well from Bournemouth. Hurt his neck. In his, uh, his second training session, I think it was, and uh, we didn't really see him until the, t- the year. Uh, you know, 
looked sprightly in the reserve games, scored a couple of goals towards the end of that season, and was, you know, Eddie was going to pretty much build the side around him last summer. Hurt his knee again, you know, the other knee in, in his uh, in the final pre-season game. We didn't see until uh, sort of October time, after which time uh, Eddie had of course gone back to. So uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been one of those we've been waiting for him to sort of kick in. He's got that added responsibility, his big pace, trickery, technique. We knew he had this in him, and uh, but he's, I mean, to be fair, he's probably exceeded uh, expectations so far. He's been an absolute top draw. And Chris, do you think Burnley can keep this up? Well, I've been asked this. You know, I think a lot of people sort of suggesting, you know, particularly. Uh, People down the road in Blackburn, you know, they're going to need a parachute. They're going to fall so hard, that sort of thing. I seem to be uh, seem to hear quite a lot, but uh, you never know. You never know. I mean, a lot of people expect the sort of uh, the, the size of squad to catch up with them with injuries and uh, you know suspensions, that sort of thing. But uh, when Burnley were promoted five years ago, they you know one of the smallest squads in the Championship again. You know, and people are looking at the way the way they're working in games. They're, you know, they're running all over teams at the minute. You know, can they sustain that? And you say, well, why not? You know, Graham Alexander was 38 five years ago and played in 61 games. But when Burnley were promoted, you know, there's no reason why. You know, with with minimal rotation, that they they can't maintain it given a fair wind with uh, with injuries and what have you. Maybe add a, a couple of loan signings. Uh, the next sort of uh, you know five six weeks or so before the the loan window closes, and if they're still up there in January, fingers crossed, you know the the, the board will find a, a few quid to invest. Chris, a lot was made of of the uh, eventual departure of Charlie Austin. You know, he was linked with many clubs throughout the summer. He eventually left to to QPR. But what of the players that? Um that Sean Dyche actually brought in because I, n- I remember when he was at Watford he actually had quite a good eye for a, for a bit of a bargain signing we didn't have a lot of money to spend on players back then when he was in charge but he, you know, he used it very wisely any money that he did have he was good in the loan market so I'm looking at the likes of Tom Heaton you know, David Jones Scott Arfield and you've also got uh, Michael Kitely on, on loan who he worked with at Watford so all those signings not necessarily headline grabbers but, but decent players that can make a contribution Thinking his, his, his dealings in the transfer market have been absolutely sensational. To be honest, I mean, he, he lost uh, Lee Grant to Derby. He was, he was the player of the season, and he's for, well for my money. You know, I've watched Granty for three years. I've watched Tom Eaton for uh, sort of three or four months. I think Tom Eaton's a better goalkeeper. He's you know replaced him without spending a penny. He's got a guy whose family are from the area. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's moved in close, uh, close to the ground. He's sort of enveloped him, himself within the community and within the club, and uh, an absolutely massive character. You know, he's uh, as, as you know, as are the other the other lads he's brought in. You know, he's got a, a bit of, bit of a good age, good experience. He's best pals with Dave Jones, who's who's made a massive uh, difference as well. Uh, I mean, Dave Jones has essentially uh, replaced Chris McCann, who was. Yeah, one of my favourite uh, Burnley players over the, you know, the last few years. If anything, you know, as we are now, I think uh, Dave Jones is a markup on uh, on Chris. Obviously, Michael Kitely, we're just about seeing the best of him now. He's getting himself match fit. You know, mainly, you know, we're not not really seeing his, his effectiveness in terms of creating or scoring goals, but uh, in the way the work rate, you know, the way he's closing down uh, teams from the front. I mean, it was a big hand in uh, in the second goal. On Saturday, and doing uh, doing ever so well. But uh, yeah, he's, you know, you'd imagine you know, given given Sean a quid, he's sure what he can do with uh, with no, with nothing in the transfer market. You know, 
who knows what it can do with a few quid. One of the uh, accus- accusations I've seen sort of knocking around on social media from fans of other clubs is that Burnley haven't played a lot of teams in the top half yet. I think there's only sort of two or three that they've played. Are you confident they can play against the, the bigger sides and, and beat them in this division this season? I've seen, I've seen this accusation and I suppose <laughs> at, the, at the time when they have played uh, some of these sides, so they play Bolton and Bolton are where they are. I don't think Bolton will finish anywhere near where they are. You know, I think they'll be uh, they'll be sort of you know certainly top half pushing for top ten maybe playoffs. Uh, you know at the end of the day, you look at Leeds United who you'd imagine will be there or thereabouts. They've gone to Ellen Road and uh, you know you know not comfortable in beating them. I mean, it was two one, but certainly deservedly. Uh, Reading and you know another good side will be fancying themselves for promotion. They've beaten Reading. And, and you know, with, with, you know, without exaggeration, if Burnley had won four or five on Saturday, you couldn't have argued with that. They'll also be, you know, Nottingham Forest. I know they made eleven changes in the uh, the Capital One Cup, and uh, no, I, I, I think they've shown they can go, they can they can take anyone on, they can beat anyone. They're going away from home and winning games. You, you know, they've not lost at home since uh, March, and. Uh, they just there's a, there's a real togetherness and, and and spirit there. Obviously, it'll be tested if they do uh, come up on a dicky patch or so. But uh, no, I think they're I think they're good value for where they are at the moment. And in a couple of weeks' time, uh, 26th of October, you welcome uh, QPR to Turf Moor in what you know will be likely be first v second. So that'd be the real test. And if they you know if you can beat QPR, then who's to say you can't stay up in the promotion picture all season, really? And of course, what kind of reception will Charlie Austin get as well? Oh, Charlie will get a fabulous reception. I think uh, I think the people sort of understood that. Uh, you know, it, it, I think that, I think there was a disappointment that he didn't go to the Premier League. Obviously, his, his whole fell through. You know, he failed a medical over over a knee problem that that Burnley had, had no problem with. Curiously enough, but uh, so they passed a medical at QPR and going to a club who many people expect to be promoted. So. So, so you know, in in his favour, but uh, no, Charlie was hugely popular. You know, a, a real good kid about the place. You know, scored a ridiculous amount of goals, and uh, you know, didn't have a bad word to say about the club. I think he even even contacted the club the day before the Blackburn derby just to sort of wish the club uh, the best of luck. So no, he'll get a, a good reception. But uh, as you say, it'll be a well, it's shaping up to be a fabulous game, isn't it? The QPR just aren't conceding goals whatsoever. Burnley are. Uh, scoring goals for fun not giving much away at the other end either and uh, yeah, Charlie's in a, a rich vein as well I think he's got five five. so uh, yeah, I think it'll be an absolutely fabulous game uh, Chris just, just finally um, a question on Sean Dyche himself um, as, as I mentioned earlier I'm a, I'm a Watford fan so I do have experience of seeing him as a manager and, and, I, and I certainly mean it as a compliment when I call him um, an unglamorous centre half during during his career he was great for us but I compare him to, to, to Gianfranco Zola who obviously replaced him um, and he was somewhat unfortunate to lose his job at Watford at the time but he's actually doing better now in the, as the season so far than, than Zola at Watford and you know, Zola will always get linked with Premier League jo- uh, Premier League jobs when, when they come up. But Sean Dyche's name never seems to be mentioned. Do you do you see that perhaps in the future could Sean Dyche uh, manage in the Premier League? Do you think maybe with Burnley or with another club? And do you think maybe his reputation, you know, compared to someone like August Poyet who's just about to go in at Sunderland, would his would his reputation as a player uh, and him being English hold him back? Maybe. I think there is, there is that sort of stigma attached to to, to some managers sometimes, uh, but. Uh, I think you have to just look at the job he's done. I think everyone at the club's been hugely impressed. And it was a tricky time when he came in. You know, Burnley were shipping goals for fun and scoring goals for fun, trying to find a balance. He sort of, you know, made them uh, made them harder to break down. But the goals sort of dried up a little. And uh, 
sort of over the course of the second half of the season, you know, probably went a bit more direct in in games and uh, you know did a lot of misfortune, but it wasn't too pretty to watch at times. I think the, the sort of acid test was over the summer, given a, a pre-season together to bring in players he wants and to sort of instill his philosophy in the players. And uh, the proof's in the pudding so far. It's, it's attractive, it's effective. And uh, as you say, he's sort of, uh, he's working transfer markets. Uh, it's been superb. And I, I know he studies the game. You know, he's, he's a real student of the game. You know, doesn't rely too heavily on, on shapes and systems, but it, it, it obviously <laughs> puts uh, a certain amount of importance in it. But uh, he's got he's got a Burnley team there who uh, you know work as hard without the ball as any side I've seen at Burnley, and they've got a certain off the cuff uh, sort of style about them as well with the ball. They're, they're uh, you know it's going to take a very good side to turn Burnley over at the moment, and uh, you know if Sean continues to progress, I'm sure it's. Uh, good for both the club and uh, his own career he strikes me as a man that doesn't get too up when they win or too down when they lose as well that's precisely the case yeah you, you see him at times last year he was sort of trying to say I think they had a run of about four wins in 18, 18 games towards the end of the last season and just sort of saying there's not an awful lot wrong here at the moment and you know few of the fans who were sort of you know weeping and wailing and uh, see even ourselves in the press we were struggling to sort of see the positives at some some periods but uh, you know likewise now he's just you know not getting too carried away and just uh, just focusing on, on on being competitive that's his uh, his mantra we make sure we're prepared make sure we deliver a performance and if that gets a win great if not you know, we'll, we'll deal with that as long as we've uh, we've given our, our best sort of thing. And uh, Dave, you were mentioning a couple of weeks ago on the show, there's a, a, a new comparison being made about Sean Dyche. He's not the ginger Mourinho, is he? No, M- Mourinho's the the, uh, the silver Dyche. Have you have you heard this, Chris? <laughs> we have done, yeah. <laughs> Sean's. Uh, I mean, he, he was sort of uh, he was hearing it a few a few times last season, and he's sort of sort of self-deprecating about it. So you know, a lot of they were being a bit uh, tongue-in-cheek about it last season, but there's a uh, a real, uh, real sentiment to it this time from the fans. It's, you know, it's quite, uh, you know, quite a nice little compliment he's got there. Carry on like this, and he'll be managing in the same division as Mourinho well, next why season. The, why not? He's galvanised Burnley to a, to a point where you know it's it's as good as it's been since Owen Coyle left the club and uh, you know they're in the Premier League long may it continue Chris thanks very much for speaking to us no pleasure that's uh, Chris Bowden who's the chief football writer at the Burnley Express in just a minute we're going to stay in Lancashire because we're off to the Globe Arena So Morecambe 4, Chesterfield 3 on Saturday. Undoubtedly the result of the weekend in the Football League. 3-0 down to the league leaders at the break. And I've no idea what Jim Bentley said at half-time, but it seemed to work. Morecambe came storming back with goals from Kevin Ellison, Mark Hughes, Jack Sampson and the winner from Padraig Amond uh, to win 4-3. That's seven league games unbeaten and the Shrimps are up to sixth in League 2 and into the playoff spots as a result of that win. Adam Lord is a reporter at The Visitor in Morecambe and we're pleased to say that Adam is on the phone right now Adam describe this game to us on Saturday then sounds like uh, a bit of a thriller yeah it's um, it, it, it's a difficult one to describe <laughs> which, which, isn't, which isn't good in my line of work obviously <laughs> um, I did have a few people come come up to me at the final whistle and sort of say I do not envy you trying to put that into words um, the most remarkable thing about it I think is that the gulf between the two sides at half time was so great Chesterfield playing so well more can contribute to their own downfall a couple of injuries were for the goals but there was such a gulf there. Chesterfield looked so confident, and they were 
they were, they, you know, Morecambe were down and out. Um, but I mean, as soon as as soon as that first goal went in, a minute into the second half, there was just the sense around that something was on. And uh, sure enough, I think goal times are sort of on the hour, then 20 minutes from time, and then that set up sort of the grandstand finish that we got. It, it, it was it was incredible. But definitely the most remarkable game I've seen live, certainly, definitely reported on. Uh, DC, you were happy with some of the defending in it, though, oh. were you? Absolutely <laughs> terrible. In the first half, I mean, Chesterfield didn't cover themselves in glory second half, but as you said, Morecambe, those, the first goal that the centre-half just tries to kick it and completely misses it, Then the, and the second goal was a, was a bit of a better goal from Chesterfield, I suppose, but the third one, just players committing themselves too early, like real basic mistakes that you know wouldn't look out of place on a you know on a pub football pitch on a Sunday. Really, really poor. Um, but then, as Mark said, just to do what they did in the second half, I guess you know the timings of the goal, you know, are what were significant. If you if you if you are three 0 down, you have to get one back early doors. Then all of a sudden, it's just the psychological impact of that starts to turn. Yeah, I mean, speaking to the players and the manager afterwards, um, certainly. Um Pori Hammond, who got the winner, said to me, you know, straight away, said, we, we, they went out thinking, A, OK, we've got to try and get ourselves back in the game, but the most important thing we can't do is you obviously can't see the fourth. Um, and they openly admitted to me that, you know, if, if it had been five, even five minutes, definitely ten before, before the first goal went in, it would have been a different story completely, I think. But as I say, there was just the atmosphere that, you know, there was sort of the, oh, here, here we go, what if, you know, maybe, probably not. Um, but, as obviously, as, as with all games like that, as the goals went in, it just there really, there really was only one winner. It's, it's weird because I think that fans of sort of bigger clubs or Premier League clubs can get a little bit sniffy about sort of the football league when you sort of say, "Oh, the atmosphere was amazing at a League Two ground." But you know, it, it always in situations like that when a team are coming back from three and down, it gets to three, two, three, all. It doesn't matter if there's five thousand people or fifty thousand people in the ground. The home crowd are going to be uh, having a massive impact on the uh, on the players. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, there were 2,200 there, which, as you say, would be sniffed at higher up. But when when there are grown men in tears around the around <laughs> me, um, I don't, it's only October, I don't Adam. What, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it matters what what level it's at, but it was it, it was incredible. And um, as I say, the, the the thing for me was the the golf in the first. It wasn't like Chesterfield nicked a couple, you know, and Morecambe. I mean, Morecambe had one one excellent chance three minutes before the break. Uh, Amund Amund had a brought a good save out of Tommy Lee one on one. Um, but apart from that, it, it was one-way traffic, and at one stage, like they, were, they could have been. If it had been four at half-time, I don't think they would have grumbled because at one stage, like they were going to score every time they went forward. Well, a lot of people have said that they're the best side in that division, and uh, from what you're saying, it sounds like they were in the first half. Tell us a bit about the starts of the season in general, then, because Morecambe have had a couple of uh, high-profile games in the Capital One Cup, beating Wolves and then losing to Newcastle. How has it been in the league? In, in the league, it's going well. I mean, um, they've. The, the one thing they have a habit of doing is um, is coming from behind. Three of the wins on the bounce, they came from behind, and uh, obviously they've done it again on Saturday. Um, it's as as admirable as it is in terms of team spirit, which is, is, is a massive factor there. It's a small squad. It's a lot younger squad than it was last year due to budget cuts. So the team spirit is a massive factor. They'll know they can't keep coming from behind, as, as heroic and dramatic and as, as, as admirable as it is. But it, it is about a togetherness there. They, they do bang on about that. Um, and rightly so, because as I say, it's a young squad, a fairly you know a manager only in his third season now. So, but they're an excellent unit. How far that will get them, I don't know. Whether they can keep this up with the size of squad they've got. I mean, uh, a couple of a couple of uh, league games ago, they had the all six outfield subs had come through the club's academy. Uh, two were current youth teamers, two were first year pros, and two were second year pros. So it gives you an idea of how stretched they were, and that was with 
three injuries and a suspension. But no, they're doing great. I mean, they're, they're obviously delighted with the start, and 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 they say quite rightly so, especially when considering right before the start of the season they lost Jack Redshaw to injury. Um, he's back in December last season, top scorer. He's had hip surgery, so there was a worry about where the goals were going to come from um, because it was it, they were reliant on him on Redshaw and Kevin Ellison last season. But Jack Sampson, who was released by Bolton, stepped up. Uh, Ammons obviously coming from Accrington and Chichen with a couple of goals, and the goals coming from midfield as well. So. It's an excellent start. We mentioned the other week in a, in a sort of roundabout kind of way that, that Jim Bentley is one of the longest serving managers in the Football League now, <laughs> uh, and you alluded to it there. Um, do you think that's a, a factor that's going to work in Morecambe's favour when it comes down to the promotion running potentially this season over some of the other sides in the division that you could argue are probably a little bit more fancied? Um, I don't know. I mean, they, they, I think the, the stat about the stat about Jim is more indicative of of where football is at at the moment, I think. And this is probably why you brought it up because so he's a young manager. I mean, you turn around to him and go, I mean, I remember we've done two or three interviews where you go in with them and go, oh, you know that uh, I think the one a couple of, was it last season at some point, he suddenly became the longest serving manager in Lancashire was, was our start up north. But yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, they, they, they will back into the hill. Um, he has, he has, he has had budget cuts, but he's, he's brought in good players. Um, he's brought in the right type of player in terms of either younger lads who've been released from higher up, your, your Jack Sampsons who have got who want the first team football, need the first team football, people who maybe hasn't worked out elsewhere and they've got points to prove, likes of Mark Hughes who came straight in as captain, Marcus Marshall, and he's and he's developing a habit for polishing some diamonds from non league. Ryan Williams last year came from uh, sort of real in the Welsh Premier League uh, latterly and um Alex Kenyon who was man of the match for on Saturday in the middle of the park was relegated with Stockport County last year. So yeah, there's confidence in him, definitely. And the, the players, every player you speak to who goes there who, or who plays there at the moment certainly says he is a massive factor in what is going on there at the moment. I mean, what kind of a character is he? I mean, he, he comes across quite honestly and, and, and quite raw, I suppose, in his interviews. But just give us a flavour of, of what he's like as a manager. Yeah, he's, he's honest. Um, I think the thing with him straight first off was he was a... He was the Wembley winning captain, so he's he's built into that football club certainly in modern times. Uh, when they got promoted to the conference, he was say he lifted the trophy from to the football league from the conference. He lifted the trophy, but certainly he was a, he was a fairly I mean he won't mind me saying this he was a fairly rugged central defender, <laughs> uh, a big number five, got his head on it, got to tackle him. But very modern coach, puts an arm around his players, you know, and quite a, a flexible coach and uh, and one who one who certainly is. He's, they're surprising a few people, and, and he, he and assistant Ken McKenna, who I should mention as well, are, are definitely you know major factors in that. You talked a bit about the attendances earlier, and uh, I'm just reading a stat on the uh, the BBC Sport website. It's from a few weeks ago, saying that apart from Dagenham and Redbridge, Morecambe have attracted the lowest uh, average home attendance this season in the league. Although there was over five thousand there, wasn't there for the Newcastle game? Uh, yes. Do you think there is the possibility, if they continue to go like this, that the the numbers will improve, or is there just not the support there? Well. And so on, on this topic, I mean, it's, it's a topic in the newspaper, certainly, we've, we've regularly touched upon um, in terms of the club aren't happy with the figures. Um, they tried various things. Upturns in form don't seem to particularly have a have a big bearing on them. Um, More free pies? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, I certainly wouldn't complain. Um, you, you've got to bear in mind as well, up until 2007, it was a non-league club. I would still maintain, some people will disagree with me, that, that it, it's not a football town um, still, and it it will need something extra special, I think, to bring increase the numbers on a regular basis. 
I mean, the club are working hard to do everything they can for it. I said the Newcastle Newcastle game gave you gave them a flavour of what could what could be. Shall we say it was it was a, it was a record for that ground. Obviously, the TV cameras are there as well. It's something everybody involved with the football club wants to improve. Obviously, something the people, the diehard fans, are turning around to friends and going, "Listen, you know." And I mean, the the the, the second forty-five minutes on Saturday could certainly be used as a marketing DVD. I think you've got uh, five five games in the next couple of weeks. Um... When you factor into the uh, into the equation, the football league trophy, the um, Johnson's Paint Trophy um, against League One's Carlisle, uh, is the squad big enough to cope with you know with, with such a, a, a high amount of games in, in a short space of time? Will Bentley be bothered about the football league trophy at all, or is it all about the league? Well, speaking to him, I mean, he, he he will have to switch a couple. I think. I mean, he's named a fairly similar side for the last few weeks, partly down to injury. As I say, they were down to youth team lads on the bench one week. But he, he he does. I mean, you ask. I asked him on Saturday about the Carlisle game. He, he turned around straight away and said, "Listen, it's our best shot at Wembley," which tells you something about, despite being season league, what he thinks of sort of any 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 loftier ambitions. They'll have their feet fairly on the ground. I mean, his ambition every year is just to improve, be it points or places, every year, which is an achievement with the with the budget going down and as I say, the, the history of the club. So yeah, he, he'll want. He'll obviously. I mean. Every manager says he wants to win every game, but he'll want to win. He he won't want to throw away the game against Carlisle on Tuesday. The squad will be stretched. It already is stretched effectively um, with Jack Redshaw out and Chris McCready, a fairly key defender, broke his collarbone a few weeks ago. Um, I remember doing the the sort of pre uh, pre start of the season interviews and him turning to me and just going, "I need luck with injuries," and it seemingly has already run out. But they're all, as I say, pulling together, team spirit in there to, to get themselves through it. So. And the final question from me is um, a bit about Kevin Ellison, because to people who don't support Morecambe, he is the one name that will crop up regularly when you just sort of watch the goal roundups or whatever from League Two. Tell us a bit about him, because I'm just looking at his career and uh, he could be described, Adam, as a journeyman. <laughs> a, a, a journeyman, yes. Um, I've heard it. I've heard him. There aren't many clean words you from opposing fans <laughs> to describe Kevin Ellison, it's fair to be said. I spoke to um, one sort of fellow journalist who was watching him. Just said he was he described as a permanently angry man as well. There are pictures every week of him firsting up to goalkeepers or whatever, but it's it's the way he is, and he is very much a love to have him in your side, hate to play against him. The reality for the reality for for Jim Bentley is in a, in a younger side, a he's an experienced head at 34 still, and he's still sort of rolling back the years in terms of his, his goal output from sort of what effectively is. And a he scores some good goals position. as well, doesn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's got he's he's got a he's got a habit of scoring spectacular goals as well. I mean, if if the ball is dipping out of scan to that left foot, you can be sure that he's going to have a go. But he's a vital player in there. Just obviously, as the years go on, it's just a case of making sure they manage him properly and and can get him through um, all forty six games. Good stuff. Well, thanks for coming on, Adam. And no uh, problem. Best of luck for the rest of the season to uh, to all Morecambe fans. That's uh, Adam Lord, who's a reporter at The Visitor uh, in Morecambe. And right now it's time for our weekly fix of my club, celebrating the various football league clubs and their fans in 125 seconds to mark the 125th anniversary of the Football League. And this week, it's all about Colchester. This is We Are Going Up, my club in 125 seconds. Hello, my name is Ashley Herbert and my club is Colchester United. OK, Ashley, can you remember your first ever Colchester game? Yep, it was um, in August 95, uh, a Coca-Cola Cup first round, first leg game against Bristol City, uh, which Colchester won 2-1. Uh, who scored the first ever goal that you saw live for Colchester? Um, I believe that was Mark Kinsella, who's now our assistant manager. Mm. Um, yeah, like I say, we won 2-1 at night, and it was, I, think, I believe it was a 25-yard cracker. Your best moment as a Colchester fan? There's a few moments. I think possibly um, 
beating Ipswich 1-0 in the Championship. Um, <laughs> being an Ipswich lad myself, it was quite um, quite satisfying the next day at work. Well, Adam here is an Ipswich fan. <laughs> what were you going to ask, Adam? No, I wasn't, I'm not going to ask that question. Um, what is your fondest memory of watching football at Layer Road? I think the um, whole Championship season in the first year, obviously, um, it was four defeats all season. It was just like seeing every team that we played, we just we just brushed them aside, and it was a brilliant season to support Colchester. Can I say, by the way, the question he was going to ask you was, why do you hate Ipswich because they don't hate you? <laughs> I get it all. I get it all the time, but I think it's just the um, the years of stick from um, people living in Ipswich of me supporting Colchester, um, going through school and getting constant stick. It was quite sweet just to stick one over on them a couple of times in the championship. What's your What's your lowest ever point as a Colchester United fan? I think possibly the following championship season we lost to Ipswich 3-2 uh, sorry 3-1 uh, and um, Colchester missed um, that penalty with 20 minutes to go and with the score 1-0 to Colchester I was at that game and the now Ipswich goalkeeper Dean Gherkin I think was in goal for Colchester wasn't he? I believe he was yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that game yeah. and, and uh, finally Ashley your favourite ever Colchester manager um, it's got to be Phil Parkinson um, what he did with the club he come in with us um, at the bottom of what is um, League 1 now Division 2 uh, and he took us to the championship um, before leaving for Hull City. But yeah, he, uh, the job he done for us was absolutely brilliant. And he's doing it again with Bradford City. It certainly is. OK, Ashley, your two minutes is up. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered. Right, OK, it's time to start our roundup of what's gone on in the Football League uh, this week. And we should kick off uh, with uh, our lead uh, story. Last week, Steve McLaren appointed as Derby manager. Adam, they were playing your team, Ipswich, in midweek. They were 4-1 down at half-time and they came back to uh, to draw 4 all, and then they followed that up with a good win against Leeds on Saturday. Very good start for Steve McLaren. Uh, indeed, yeah, apparently he, he worked his magic at the half-time interval of their game against Ipswich last Tuesday. Wasn't actually in charge for that game, of course. He was watching from the stands, but at 4-1 down at half-time, he, uh, he decided to step into the changing room and, and have a I wonder few what words. He said. Uh, well, I wonder what he well, said. The first time he's probably met the players, you'd well, imagine. possibly. Hello, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, do I need my umbrella? Um, but whatever he said, it, it clearly works because they, they turned it around. Um, That's probably him on the phone now. Go on. <laughs> they turned it around fairly dramatically um, and clawed back a three-goal deficit um, and scored the fourth goal actually with quite a lot of time left in the game so by by all accounts they, they could have even had time to win it looked good on fourth. Saturday though didn't they DC yeah, absolutely some did. brilliant goals in there some, some, and fantastic and link up play really really poor defending as well by Leeds for the first goal in particular three men on one there's two men there's three on two and three men went to one of the one of the <laughs> yeah, no, and left yeah. the other one for spare ridiculous uh, but yeah the, the goals were nice they're playing some nice football and, and it, I kind of think whose now, phone is that by the way I'm sorry to interrupt it might be me actually one second in your own time <laughs> yeah. No, it's not actually. So the mystery Sorry, continues. Sorry, I, I don't know what that noise is. Sorry, carry on. I was going to say we know what Owen was saying last last week in the, in the fact that it was disappointing for the, for some people at the club and some of the fans, some of the players that Nigel Clough was was relieved of his duties. But now they've got these two results in a week. You know, they get that that draw out of nowhere against Ipswich. They beat Leeds comfortably, and you look at the league table and it. Psychologically, they must be feeling very positive. I think about about the season ahead now, and you know if they can keep the, if they can keep this little run going, then they could be right up there in the playoff picture. Whereas under Clough, if they'd got this result, you'd probably be thinking in the back of your mind, I wouldn't bet on them next week because they've just won one. They're always going to lose one yeah. afterwards, you know. So it's a psychological thing. If McLaren and he and he, he is known for that as well, working a lot with sports uh, psychologists and sports scientists and stuff to work on the other aspects of the game as opposed to just the tactics and the training. Um, if he can keep it going, then you know they could potentially be in the playoff 
playoffs this season. They've got players who are good enough and they've got an outstanding player in Will Hughes. Brilliant goal he scored mm. on Saturday. Um, let's take this opportunity to talk a little bit about Ipswich. One or draw at Sheffield Wednesday at the weekend. What have you made of the start in 11th place after 11 games? Um, well, it's fairly not a lot to talk about really. We've been we've been decent at home. Um, David McGoldrick's bagged uh, a player of the month, wasn't he? Yeah, last no, month? he was, and uh, deservedly so. He's 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 bagged two or three pretty decent strikes so far this season. In recent weeks, while we've obviously given away um, some leads away from home, it has been nice to see that we've got goals from other sources other than David McGoldrick. Because I was getting a little bit concerned that we might be turning into a little bit of a one-man band. Um, I think McCarthy is reasonably satisfied with how things have gone so far. I think I mentioned at the start of the season that expectations probably aren't that high this year. I think more than anything, fans are a little bit more patient now um, than they perhaps were two or three seasons ago and, and just want to see uh, sort of signs of progress and and, and and progression amongst a squad of players. And I, I think Mick's managed to bring on two or three players this season in the transfer window that I think he has a view that he wants to build something here and, and, and move it forward. And I think fans are fairly sort of happy just to see how it goes at this stage and, and aren't going to get overly concerned if we go two or three games without a win. But it is disappointing to give away some points away from home, especially against two teams. I would have loved to have seen his face struggling. after that uh, derby game midweek. I wonder well, what he said to the players afterwards. Well, I understand he was quite calm in his, in his mm, post-match okay. press conference and he, he wasn't too visibly angry <laughs> about it is probably the best description but I'm sure he would have gone away from that game him and Terry Connor would have looked at it and then taken a bit of time and then said something in training the next day or the day after that gone away and thought about it and worked on some things and moved forward but you know we just need a little bit of luck we've played some good games where we've not quite had some fortune and we've had a little bit of a fortune the other way but at the moment you know not too bad and I'm not too bothered either way. Well, top of the pre- uh, top of the uh, the championship. Sorry, at the moment, our QPR uh, still unbeaten. Took them sixty six minutes to uh, break through against Barnsley. That's eight consecutive clean sheets in a row. Uh, two more for Charlie Austin. But uh, DC David Flickcroft must be under a little bit of pressure there. Barnsley haven't won a game. I don't think yet. Certainly not away from home. Um, and maybe that momentum that they sort of built up towards the end of last season uh, has kind of fallen fallen away already. Absolutely, but you know, I suppose the what they've got to do now is hark back to last season and remember the desperate position that they were in when Keith Hill left and his assistant David Flitcroft took the reins and he you know, managed to get them playing really well, some really good football and they put together a great run of results towards the end of the season and you know, managed to get out of trouble even though it you know, was really close on, on the last few games of the season. But you know, it's been poor, especially away from home as you said, but Points-wise, it's not like they're getting cut adrift at all. There's been other teams down there who are struggling with them. Bolton, Yeovil, you know, Sheffield Wednesday are down there. So I, I, I wouldn't, if I was Barnsley, I wouldn't press the panic button and get rid of Flickcroft. I, you know, I, I think he, he did enough last season to suggest that he is the right man for the job. But they do need to certainly pick up some more uh, points away from home. Patience. Patience if you're a Barnsley fan. Uh, you did mention uh, Bolton there. They finally got a win at, last. at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and Neil, Neil, um, Neil Dan's back on the score sheet. It's been a long time since we've been able to play that. Um, but finally, Dougie Freeman got that one. He said he wasn't getting too worried, but inside he must have been. Of course he would. I mean, a team he's shown again, like Barnsley, when he came in last season, Bolton were, were really struggling, and he managed to get them all the way up to within a whisker of the playoffs. And you know, there's that phone. 
Phone's going again. What? Where, where is know. that you phone? Need to, you need to take control of the situation, Crossley, well, and sort it out. <laughs> but anyway, no, Bolt, I mean, and as we've said, we've said in the weeks past, that he's got a fantastic squad of players there, and, and it's not really acceptable for him to come out and say, as he did a few months into, in, a few weeks into this season even, that some of them aren't good enough, when most of them now are, are ones that you know he's worked with for some time and some of the ones he's brought in himself. But you know, they've got the win, so it's, they have to try and move forward from, from, from there now. Well, it wasn't a particularly brilliant defending, uh, again, uh, for <laughs> from Birmingham for that first goal <laughs> Birmingham Be- are a weird team aren't really they they seem, they seem to win like 4-0 one week mm. then lose then 4-1 the next week then lose can't yeah, get well, any consistency going They and a couple of people I, I spoke to who saw them play at Reading the other week and they lost 2-0 a couple of Birmingham fans said that they they couldn't even remember a noteworthy moment in that game that they were that nondescript and, and completely not at it um, the, the whole game just pretty much passed them by but going back to Bolton you know they they, they got the luck there didn't they that yeah. you need when you're in that well, situation they probably should have given away a penalty well yeah I mean Lee Clark was absolutely yeah. apoplectic about that wasn't Liam Feeney wasn't it both hands above, yeah. above his head basically but those are the decisions you know that when you're, you're in that position and you need a win if they go your way you're absolutely delighted and Liam Feeney which, uh, which will segue nicely into our next point Liam right. Feeney of course uh, joined Bolton from Millwall and I, I believe he's picked up man of the match uh, we don't in, just throw this in, stuff together in the two <laughs> games that he's, that he's played for Bolton uh, and similarly James Henry who's joined Wolves on loan from Millwall was man of the match uh, at the weekend in their win against Colchester so and uh, Millwall are giving away good players it seems they are and uh, Millwall two defeats this week and also in that Colchester game there's a brilliant uh, penalty celebration from uh, Carla Kimi which you picked up on right at the end um, well yeah just to put it in Context: Wolves 3-0 up away from home heading for another good clinical performance in that division uh, give away a penalty in the fourth minute of stoppage time I think it was Akemi was the man who made the error uh, up steps Freddie Sears Akemi saves it good, um, good save yeah good save but the way he celebrates it it's as if he's saved the winning penalty in the World Cup final he's he, absolutely dancing around on his feet do you reckon goalkeepers supporters. goalkeepers get like a clean sheet bonus oh, <laughs> certainly. Absolutely. Well, that's do, probably yeah. why yeah. <laughs> that's probably why uh, I think we're six or seven points in uh, to this um, we should mention Casper uh, Schmeichel who had a bit Ooh. of a mare on Saturday didn't he absolutely yeah. oh terrible basically threw the ball into his own net and you know that along with some of the errors we've been talking about already you know the likes of the, the Morecambe players and the, and the Leeds players it, it sort of gives me comfort though when I see that <laughs> because you know even professional footballers who are paid very very handsomely indeed to play yeah, week in week out for their clubs can make horrific errors you know that I would do on a Sunday well by the sounds of what you said just before we started recording the show you probably played a lot better than them I, this had, I, had good, I was very hungover on Sunday and I had a good game, yeah. What amazed me about that error is that there's nobody really near him, was there? When the, the corner came yeah. over, it was a terrible delivery and he, he wasn't under pressure at all. He Do you just, think he was already thinking about where he was going to kick it or where he was going to distribute it. it? Yeah, quite quite possibly. Um, but another thing I picked up in that game while I was watching the highlights was, and this, and this extends from your point that you made last week about stupid things that commentators say. Mm. You know, you last week you were talking about if only they could buy a goal. Yeah. One that came up in this game was that phrase, and you hear it in cricket as well, when he hits them, they stay hit. <laughs> what does that mean? It's a very it good does. point. That's momentum. You put your foot behind it and the ball moves forward. <laughs> Alan, Alan Shearer on Match of the Day was all over the, um, you can't buy a goal. It's Papi Sisse. He said about three times. Uh, right, let's move down into, uh, in fact, no, one more thing, sorry, from the championship. Um, this is beautifully put together this week. It's all over the place. Uh, Wigan, Athletic, with their first ever win in Europe, 3-1 against NK Maribor on Thursday night in the Europa League. Um, and it's included a stunning individual goal by Nick Powell, who they've signed on loan he's from a, Manchester he's United. A very good player. And um, given the way that Manchester United started the season, mm-hmm. 
quite surprised really that they let him go and he's, he's looked fantastic since he's, uh, he's signed for Wigan and I should quickly say they went on to beat Blackburn at the weekend and Wigan Warriors won the Super League so just a great week so full w- stop Wigan's for Wigan the, and they're, they're also the current FA Cup holders as well of that's, course. True, so that's true Wigan very much the sporting capital of Britain as we, <laughs> we stand absolutely um, into league, you were born in Wigan as well weren't you I was yeah Maybe now is your time to, you know, <laughs> to re- claim re- it <laughs> yeah. this is the moment uh, to celebrate it League 1 Adam goal you wanted to mention from uh, Kyle Reid for Bradford away at Walsall. Yeah, um, very good strike. Um, in fact, two very good goals for for Bradford, who are on a very good run. Another fifth in, in the league, James Hansen. Yeah, James Hansen as well. Very good strike. But Kyle Reid um, struck a very good. You know what? When he <laughs> when he when he hit that, it stayed hit. It certainly did. It and certainly I, did. I saw the uh, the Bantams banter lads. Um, giving a little bit back to some of the Bradford fans uh, after Reed scores. It looks like maybe they've been getting a bit of stick, I think, in previous weeks, but uh, silence the doubters with that strike. Top uh, six of League One uh, in there at the moment. In fourth, you've got Bradford. In sixth, you've got Rotherham, two of the promoted sides from League Two. Yeah, Rotherham have gone a bit under the radar as well, haven't they, really? I mean, they won at Brentford this weekend. Snuck, snuck mm. into that third place, didn't they, last season? Um, well, they, actually, they finished second, didn't they? In the end, that's the thing. They, they just jumped yeah. ahead Port Vale right at, right at the last minute. Um, but again, you know, doing a really Steve Evans is doing a really good job, and, and and Steve Evans as well is someone that we're used to hearing a lot of headlines for the wrong reasons about. But actually, since he got him back from his big old touchline ban last <laughs> year, we, we haven't heard much from him. Not even seen him. Maybe he's finally no. learned his lesson. Maybe. <laughs> um, a couple of final points to make: Notts County with a much-needed four-nil win against Crew, who are an absolute free-fall at the moment. But we should end by talking about a team speaking about free-fall. Yeah, the situation right at the foot of the football league. We started by talking about Burnley at the top. We'll end by talking about Accrington, not a million miles away from Burnley at the bottom. Played ten games, two points, two draws, minus twelve goal difference, six points adrift already. Of uh, in fact, seven points adrift of safety already. James Beattie has got a hell of a lot of work to do to turn that round. Indeed, and um, I mean, he looks he looks the part as a manager, and he's very smart suits. I saw him the other week when they were at. Uh, Hartlepool when they did that feature on the Football League show and uh, he looked very um, looked the part but um, he's obviously got a lot of um, hard work on his hands there um, trying to keep that together there can't be many more difficult jobs to get for your first you know Football League manager job than Atkinson Stanley probably you know he'd be up there and you know know, there's only maybe one or two other clubs who'd be you know, as financially challenged as, as Accrington, you know, you're talking about Morecambe's lack of fan base, Accrington are right down there as well with the likes of Dagenham. So it's, you know, it's hard enough being a manager. When he actually has admitted that he didn't necessarily expect to become a manager mm-hmm. at that time, he wasn't necessarily prepared for it. Um, and he's been thrown in right at the deep end and currently he, he is drowning. <laughs> Put beautifully we can't say any more about that uh, next week it's international week so uh, there is a couple of games off in league one but um, pretty much a full set of fixtures in league two so hopefully we'll have more of a league one league two focus on the show uh, next week right finally before we finish another quick mention for what we were saying right at the start special offer brought to you by our friends at audible we are going up can offer you a free one month trial and a free audiobook to walk away with right now totally free completely free no catches whatsoever audible.co.uk slash going up you've got 60,000 titles uh, to pick from we would recommend the Partridge one obviously <laughs> and Neil Warnock but as Dave said learn about the history of the world yes. uh, so go to uh, audible.co.uk slash going up important you go to that uh, bit and that's where you can get the, uh, the free month trial <laughs> audible.co.uk slash going up okay. there we go lovely uh, the website is wearegoingup.co.uk uh, you can go to iTunes and get us on there also on Twitter it is at Wacky Podcast if you want to follow us and you can get us on SoundCloud as well I think that's all the plugs done for one show (laughs) Dave thanks as ever Adam thanks for coming in my laptop's still working at this moment in time I hope so if you can hear this we've got the old clear we'll speak to you in seven days time this is the We Are Going Up podcast we've got the Football League covered (laughs) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.